Hello and welcome on in to First Serve Northwestern Volleyball Podcast. I'm Amit Malik, joined on Skype here by Ben Krieger on a Thursday night. Ben, how are you doing today? I am excellent and I'm very excited to talk about Northwestern Volleyball for the second straight week. Yeah, we're, we're very excited to be back. Tim Hackett, the usual host of this podcast, is traveling from his home in Durham, North Carolina to Evanston. He'll be with you most weeks. But today I'm here, and I'm joined by Ben, who I'm sure will be one of the more regular fixtures on this podcast. Ben, let's get it going. I actually want to start a big picture with Northwestern. They're 8-1 and one so far this season. Is this what you expected from a young team heading into the year? Look, I want Northwestern to be as good as they can be in every sport, but I'd be lying if I said I expected this at the beginning of the year and coming off of last season. Last year, the Wildcats had a tough time. I mean, it's always difficult in the Big Ten. And they reloaded with some excellent uh, talent coming in, excellent recruit Shane Davis bringing in a fantastic class. But I didn't see 8-1 and one through the first three tournaments at all. I thought maybe 6-3 and three or 7-2 and two would be good records. They've impressed. They've won, I think, seven in a row now. I mean, they're on a roll. This has been an incredibly impressive start uh, to the non-conference slate for Northwestern. I agree with you, Ben. I, I think six and three or seven and two seem maybe the most realistic projections. They haven't faced any really, really good teams um, so far in non-con. Duke was receiving votes when they faced them. I think if you think maybe one thing, if they're this good, you know, you look back at that LSU game in the second game of the season where they were up two sets to zero, and maybe that loss even becomes more frustrating. Maybe they could be nine and zero. Oh. Yeah, it's, it's easy to go back and, and nitpick and split hairs, but 8-1 and one is impressive in and of itself. And you did, you, like you mentioned, they haven't played anybody nearly as good as most of the teams in the Big Ten that they will play. But the Duke win was big. And, you know, I, I'm always of the opinion that you can. it's hard to knock a team for beating lower competition. You know, if that's who you play, that's who you play. I always thought in football that when Boise State went undefeated, they should have had a chance to play for the national championship because sometimes you play who you play. So at least they're eight and one against the competition that's not at the highest level and not, you know, five and four. Yeah, I, I would agree with you. And I don't want to take anything away from Northwestern at all. The reason why we're surprised is because they've done such a good job. Let's start looking at last weekend. This was a tournament in Chicago against DePaul. They faced Milwaukee. They faced Army and the host DePaul. And they beat them all only dropping one set in the process. Taylor Tashima and Alana Walker making the all-tournament first team. What's your, your big-picture takeaway from this weekend before we get into each match specifically? The Wildcat offense is humming, and it looks the best. Certainly, it looks the best it has in my year now and year in three tournaments. Uh, I'm being a sophomore, of course. So it looks better than it did last year, and I would think better than it has in a few years. There are several players emerging as offensive weapons to go with Simone Abbott, who has been a fixture uh, now in her senior season for Northwestern. But you have the freshman in Neil Robinson and Alana Walker. You have Gabby Hazen playing a lot of middle blocker. And all of those players are providing excellent uh, efficiency and numbers on the attack. So the biggest takeaway is Northwestern's winning because their attack is the most balanced and the most effective it's been in quite some time. Yeah, just some stats I, I found from my friends at Northwestern Athletics. Uh, after this, this week, Simone Abbott is first in the Big Ten with attacks per set. She's you know one of the top players in the Big Ten for kills um, per set. And uh, so is um, Nia Robinson. Both of those players just just really, really aggressive to start the season. Sorry, I pulled it up exactly. Simone Abbott, 4.42 kills per set. 
is second in the Big Ten, and Robinson is sixth in the conference with 3.84 kills per set. That's th- those are pretty good numbers. And last year, you know, Simone always has those stats. But to have two players doing that shows how diverse their attack has become. And also Alana Walker, uh, her hitting percentage of 368 is pretty good herself. And Gabby Hazen, who I think personally has been the, I don't want to say breakout because she's a senior, but she's hitting 464, which is the 12th best mark in the country. I think the emergence of her along with Walker in the middle has made Northwestern look really, really good so far. Yeah, it's just a multifaceted and diverse attack that they haven't had in the past, at least not last year. So many different options. The defense can't just key in on Simone Abbott. And Taylor Deshima, I said this last week, I think this is the year that she, again, I don't want to say breaks out, but shows that she's one of the best setters in the Big Ten and proves it because now she has such a diversity of options to go to. She can make so many different things happen, and that's why she was named, I believe, the MVP of the tournament last year. Yes, weekend. she was. So that's the type of play where she's been a great setter for a long time, but now she can really showcase how many different sets she can make, all the different spots on the court that she can put balls up for Northwestern attackers and, and get wins for Northwestern. I mean, we, this is a great start to the season, and it's the most excited, I think, I, that, that I've been for Big Ten play for sure. Yeah, Big Ten play in two weeks, and Northwestern looking as prepared as as they ever have. Uh, another note on Tashima, 12 assists per set is a career high, which I think is what you're alluding to. It could be a career year. That's the word I was looking for for her and for Gabriel Hazen in their season, in their senior season. So certainly a lot of breaker performances. Let's look back at this weekend, starting with the game against Milwaukee. Northwestern won this one three sets to zero. Who stood out to you in this one, Ben? And, you know, I don't think this one was actually very close. Second set might have been. Yeah, well, what's interesting is that this one, from from the numbers perspective, was the worst game for Northwestern, or the worst match for Northwestern in the tournament, at least in efficiency. A lot of their attackers, Simone Abbott and Neil Robinson, not having their most efficient games. But Gabby Hazen was incredibly impressive. She only totaled seven kills, but a, a 600 clip. On the hitting percentage, I mean, that is incredible. Seven kills on ten uh, attack attempts. That's just excellent numbers. And, and again, it allows it allows Simone Abbott and Robinson to have more room to really swing and go out and get kills when the defense has to worry about where that ball could come from. And if they're worried about Hazen in the middle, those other players have a lot more opportunities too. Yeah, I think uh, the numbers backing up what you're saying, Simone Abbott was hitting two thirty eight, Robinson was hitting one sixty seven. Certainly not their most efficient days. And, you know, the first set, Northwestern really kind of gave Milwaukee the business, hit 417. But second and third set, maybe Milwaukee's block figured some things out. Northwestern only hit 171 and 200 in the second and third set, respectively. So, you know, kind of respectable showing there from the Panthers, but I think Northwestern held on to this one. All the stats are still in their favor. Yeah, this wasn't a close match at any point. But it is worth noting that Northwestern wasn't dominating the entire time. And I think it's key that along with Hazen, Alana Walker had herself a very efficient game. Eight kills at a clip of 316. So this one was a really good sign for Northwestern in the sense that on a, I don't want to say down night, but on a less efficient night for Simone Abbott and Nia Robinson, the Wildcats still controlled the match pretty easily. Yeah, I I think that's exactly right, Ben. I think maybe Milwaukee was trying to take away the outside hitters a lot in Abbott and Robinson, and Northwestern was able to get some kills up the middle. Um, 
Anything else to add on this one before we move on to the Army matchup? Just the fact that what you just said is something we haven't been able to say. that they, When the outside hitters get taken away, they've been able to get those kills up the middle when they matter. And that's why I'm so high on Northwestern right now. That's the biggest positive, I think. I agree with you, Ben. Let's move on to this, this Army matchup. Northwestern wins 3-1 to one against Army. Um, Army took a set, and the first two sets from Army, Army hit 0-0-0 in hitting percentage, and then 0-3-3. Responded in the third set to hit 389. Came kind of out of nowhere, and then fourth set they hit 119 in, and, and eventually uh, took the loss. What did you see from this one from Northwestern? Uh, kind of weird that that one set was really out of uh, pa- out of the pattern, and then who stood out to you as well? Well, I'm really not sure how you get those numbers. I mean, I didn't get to watch this match, but those are some wonky numbers to say the least. I mean, that's such a that's such a dichotomy in hitting percentage. I don't know what Army did that all of a sudden got them going, but this match again. I mean. I think Gabby Hazen was a standout performer again. She got up to 13 kills in this one, 632 clip, five uh, blocks for Gabby Hazen in this one. So excellent work there. And I think Ivy Whalen stepped up big for Northwestern also. She's another freshman who's been making waves so far. She had five blocks of her own. Um, But Abbott with 20 kills. And for her, she's always going to go and get hers in terms of the raw numbers. But the efficiency in this particular match, a 400 hitting percentage, that's when Simone Abbott's having a great night. She'll always get a lot of kills, but when she's doing it efficiently, that's when other teams need to be very concerned about Northwestern. Yeah, uh, good efficiency for Simone Abbott, hitting 400 there. A lot of kills. I think that's what you're right. If you know The number one thing you have to stop for Northwestern is Simone Abbott, and if you can't do that, well, then you're probably not going to have a bad day. because You're probably going to have a bad day because that's North, for a long time, that's really the only thing Northwestern had going. And I think Army really struggled to do that. Um, statistically, again, very lopsided here, uh, except for that one set, which is which is really weird. Northwestern was hitting 593, 370. And then in that third set, they dipped to 275, so maybe Army also figured out something defensively for a little. Didn't last very long. Northwestern responded with a 349 hitting percentage in that fourth set. Um, one thing we haven't really talked about too much uh, in either match is the defense. Um, the numbers haven't always jumped off the page, but Sarah Johnson in here, 19 digs. Lexi Pitts is 15 digs. Last week, Shane Davis said to me that they've been doing it by committee, and so far it's been really good for Northwestern. Do you think this is a sustainable uh, way to keep it going? Well, those two have been locked in the battle, it seemed like, for much of this non-con slate. And I guess Shane Davis is giving you the... Uh the inside scoop that it's more of a committee, but to the outside observer, it looks like a battle. Um, I don't think that they're going to maintain both of them playing equal time. I think one of them will emerge by the time we get to conference play, but it's good that that what they're doing right now is working. Yeah, I agree with you. It'll be interesting to see as time goes on if one player emerges over the other. Um, That's something to keep your eye on. Taylor Tashima also helping out. Uh, has ten, put 10 digs in, got a double-double. 53 assists is one of her higher totals. Um, always great when your setter can get over 50. To be fair, there was a fourth set for her to help get those those numbers up. Uh, any last thoughts on this one? Weird match, but Northwestern took care of business pretty easily. I'm just so curious, again, not getting to watch this one. I'm, I'm so curious about what happened in that third set. 
whether they were just tired out or whether it was a strategy issue. But it's the thing that I take away was that they bounced back in the fourth and got the job done. Yeah, maybe that's something I wish I could have asked Shane Davis this week when I interviewed him. But I was I was not woke, as they say, on what was going on in that third set against Army. Let's move on to the last match of the weekend, Northwestern facing DePaul. DePaul, the host of the tournament, always good when you can uh, beat the host, but DePaul 2-6. and six. The first set was kind of close, and the last two sets were not close at all. This was a comprehensive beatdown for the Wildcats. They, I, they, I thought they did really well on this one. Yeah, this was just a difference in skill level, objectively. I mean, the Wildcats just outmatched, outplayed the Blue Devils, they were the Blue Devils were overmatched, is what I meant to say there by the Wildcats. It really wasn't close at all. Good nights from Simone Abbott and Gabby Hazen, Alana Walker. I mean, they just did a really good job as a team. Yeah, and again, that thing I mentioned uh, earlier, Northwestern's first option is Simone Abbott, and if you don't stop her, it's not going to be close. We'll see. We will see in the Big Ten that that will happen. Simone Abbott will have a very tough time, and then it'll be interesting to see how well the rest of their, their team can, can hit around that. But Simone Abbott, 15 kills, 35 attempts. You know, no, uh, no one else, uh, sorry, Nia Robinson, 12 kills as well. No one else getting those double digits. I think this was, was very easy for Northwestern. Uh, second set, they hit 412. Third set, they hit 294. The, this was, was pretty much a beatdown. I don't think there's anything else to say about it. You know, Northwestern really rolling. Yeah, they were feeling good at this point. And just to, to harp on your point, with any team in any sport, if you don't take away the number one option, you're going to get crushed. And so teams have to stop Simone Abbott. Like we were saying earlier, it's great that Northwestern has Robinson and Hazen and Walker and all these other options, but they're still trying to go to Abbott. And if you're not going to stop Abbott, Taylor, we've seen through for three years now, Tashima is not afraid to set every ball for Abbott if Abbott's on a roll. Yeah, uh, yeah, that's, that's right. And, Tashima, the one thing Shane mentioned to me this week that you'll hear is that her the reason why she's also having great numbers is because she has more options as well. Um, that'll do it for those three games. Again, Ben said before that this is just really good for Northwestern to be rolling this much. We didn't expect it. I want to ask you now before we look ahead to next week. Northwestern is 8-1. If you're 500 overall at the end of the season and you play in the Big Ten, Ben Krieger, you're always a candidate for the NCAA tournament because of how strong the Big Ten is. We know Big Ten play is going to be a bloodbath for Northwestern. You know, maybe they'll get five or six wins, seven, who knows. But if they build up enough of a, a you know, an armory of wins in non-con, can they make the NCAA tournament? I want to ask you that question. Yes, in theory, they absolutely can. The math says that they can. Will they? They're definitely going to have to play at the level if not a better level because they could go over in the Big Ten. The Big Ten is that tough that if they play badly they can go over. If they play really well they could steal a bunch, even get up around 500 in Big Ten play. So absolutely they can make the tournament but they are going to have to bring their A game every single night in Big Ten play. Yeah, I think the two teams that Northwestern will take care of if you want to pencil as close, the closest thing you can to a free win in the Big Ten, Rutgers and Maryland twice I think that makes Northwestern, that gives Northwestern maybe four solid wins. But in reality, every single game outside of that is a game where Northwestern is likely not going to be favored. You're maybe looking at Purdue, a Michigan State at home, uh, and Indiana, maybe. Indiana, a great candidate, or Illinois. Because 
I really don't see Northwestern getting too many wins against Minnesota, Wisconsin, Nebraska, Penn State, the the heavy hitters of the of the conference. So maybe they can scalp one of those games. But what do you think Northwestern can realistically do in Big Ten play? I know we're looking ahead a bit, but can, how many wins do you think they can get? Well, you mentioned they should get four if they don't. Uh... If they play true to themselves and they play to their level, they'll get four off the bat with Maryland and Rutgers. I think, like you said, I think if they have a very good year, they could get to, I don't know, maybe seven, eight wins. I'm going to pull up my uh, season preview here and see what I had at the beginning of the summer. And that was, I was a little optimistic earlier in the summer when I wrote the season preview for WNRSports.com. I was being pretty optimistic. Yeah, check it out. They've already they've already been better than I expected then, so I might have to readjust my 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 original estimate. I'm going back to uh, pull up that article so I can see exactly where I had them coming in. And uh, but anyway, I think they could probably get to seven, maybe eight. I said, yeah, I said six or seven wins at the beginning of the summer, coming in ninth place in the conference. Um, that would be the two wins over Rutgers, two wins over Maryland. And then, you know, stealing, I think maybe stealing one from a really good powerhouse team and then winning a couple other close ones. They won't be favored, as you said, in any of the games other than Rutgers or Maryland. So I think if they have a good year, they could get seven or eight wins, and they certainly want to get at least five. Yeah, I think, I think that's right. And you look at these last three games, if Northwestern wins three of them, which, you know, I would say is optimistic, but also very realistic given how they've played and the level of their uh, competition – they get to uh, eleven and one, and seven wins, eighteen total wins. I think that that might be enough for Northwestern to uh, to propel them in. Although we'll, we'll be, we'll have to see who who they win against. We'll have to see. Thirty two games, eighteen wins, just might be enough. We we will keep you posted. It'll be something we'll be watching. Might have to start a an online campaign hashtag uh, tournament watch for the Wildcats. Um, let's move on to these next three games this weekend. Northwestern traveling to VCU. They're going to play um, Bowling Green. They're going to play Seton Hall. And then they're going to play the host VCU in Richmond, Virginia. Let's start with that Seton Hall game. This is actually the best team in the bunch. They're 6-4. and four. What do you expect from, from Seton Hall against Northwestern, Ben? I think Seton Hall is going to come out and try to stop Simone Abbott. The question is going to be, can they? Northwestern... While we're often at the bottom of the Big Ten, we are still a Big Ten team. And that is, in volleyball, that is, you know, that's like being in the SEC in football. You are a power conference. You're the best conference in the country. Even even being near the bottom of that conference for Northwestern means that they should be able to beat up on a team, even a good one like Seton Hall. Yeah, sadly, we are not going to have the benefit of the Tim Hackett scouting report because he knows he knows a lot about these teams, especially the Big Ten. Tim Hackett knows every player on every team and their stats from six years ago. Yeah, I don't know. exactly. We, we can't wait for you to be back, Tim. Um, but we'll do our best to approximate as much of a scouting report as we can. Uh, Seton Hall 6-4, and four, some good wins in the non-conference over Oklahoma, Buffalo, Rutgers 3-1, a Big Ten opponent, uh, Cincinnati, and Illinois State. Um, looking at their stats, Abby uh, Thelen stands out. Uh, she's only hitting 219, but 3.88 kills per set. So maybe an inefficient outside hitter that North, maybe not that inefficient. And then uh, Sheree Barnes hitting 272, 
And then also the setter, uh, looks like they have kind of two they've used, maybe a two-setter system. Sophia Coffey with 229 assists and Sharice Hennigan with 148. But even if you do the math, um, Taylor Tashima is averaging more assists per set than the entire Seen Hall team combined. Um, I do think this will be their toughest game, but I do think this is also a team that Northwestern should expect to beat. Do you, do you agree with that, Ben? Yeah, that sounds exactly right, especially if we're saying Northwestern is has tournament aspirations. This is a team that is a good volleyball team, but Northwestern should dispatch them pretty easily. Yeah, and um, we are starting that conversation this week, but until it is not the case, you know, I think I think it is right for us at least, we're, we're not the team, we're not the coaches, to, to factor that into every conversation we kind of have about this team, right? Yeah, that seems totally fair to me. I mean... It's, it's optimistic, but we're optimistic here, and this team has shown that they have the talent level, at least, to certainly have the conversation. And again, I, I agree with you. The team should not be talking about it, but it's definitely okay for us to talk about it because it's not unreasonable if they have a good year. Yeah, I, I think that's exactly right. Uh, moving on to Bowling Green, a little bit of a program doubleheader. Northwestern facing Bowling Green in football on Saturday, and volleyball will be facing off in Richmond as well on Saturday. Bowling Green, not that talented. They're 3-5 and five on the season, um, you know, and they haven't really played any good teams. Their losses, you know, Notre Dame, that's a tough one, 3-0. But they've lost to Sacramento State. They've lost to Seattle. Uh, they lost to Xavier, uh, 3-0. And they lost to UIC, 3-2. So I, I really don't think this is probably going to be the easiest game of the three for Northwestern, and, uh, and I'm not sure – you know, what Bowling Green's going to do very well. Yeah, on both parts of the doubleheader, football and volleyball, Northwestern should be upset if they don't come away with a win. It's, it's pretty simple. We're significantly more talented on the court. I mean, we just, we're just better than they are. It's, there's not a lot to say about it on the fact that Northwestern should win this one. No problem. It would be a major concern if they were to lose this match. Yeah, Bowling Green as a team hitting a 201 as a hitting percentage. Uh, Northwestern as a team hitting 303, so a lot of disparity there, and I do think Northwestern has played a slightly more difficult schedule. Um, individually, for the Falcons, um, it seems that uh, Kalena Kanagan is, is one of their more is one of their good options, and leading the way is uh, Jacqueline Askin, 2.97 kills per set. That's a pretty good number. Uh, she is hitting 195 though, so a lot of inefficiency. And then uh, Nicole Slimko is 2.48 kills per set. So those are the three names to watch. Uh, again, we can't tell you exactly too much of what we're going to see. We haven't seen Bowling Green, but some only, okay only numbers there. Only Tim Hackett would ever know. Yeah, only Tim Hackett would know. And their setter, Isabel Marciniak, um, 324 assists, 10.12 assists per set. That's a pretty good uh, clip there for a setter. So we'll see um, what, what Bowling Green makes. Last game of this three-game set. Looks like it's going to be a very good one. Uh, VCU, uh, they're ten and two, and they're at home. So this is this is a, certainly a very formidable opponent. I think uh, Coach Shane Davis was still looking at Seton Hall as a bit of a better team, but this is no easy game, and it's never easy to, to play a to play a team on the road. And I think it'll be even tougher coming off of the Bowling Green match if that goes as we expect. It'll be a, a big disparity in the, I think, the intensity of the match. And those are both on Saturday, if I'm not mistaken, um, the same correct. day. So I worry about a little bit of a lull coming off the other match. It wouldn't shock me to see Northwestern lose the first set in this one. But 
hopefully from the Wildcats' perspective, they can keep the focus. And again, Northwestern is better than these three teams, but that doesn't mean that they're going to necessarily win all three matches. Yeah, the two only two losses for Notre Dame against uh, so the only two losses for VCU. One of them came against Notre Dame. They're receiving seven votes votes in the poll, and the other loss came against Texas A and M. Texas A and M is usually a pretty good program. I don't see them in the rankings right here. Maybe I, I'm mistaking that for when they were in the rankings earlier, but it was a 3-0 loss at the Texas A&M Invitational. So VCU is definitely a beatable team, but they've cleaned up with pretty much every small team on their schedule. Uh, really only impressive wins I can see here are maybe Virginia 3-0, uh, William & Mary 3-0, Sam Houston State 3-1. But, you know, I think, I think in the end it's going to be a, a rather average VCU team, but because they're at home, as you mentioned, Ben, two games on Saturday could be tough. And VCU is also coming off a seven-game win streak as well. Yeah, VCU is not going to take it lying down. It's not going to be an easy win. Northwestern can't can't expect to walk or sleepwalk through that one. But if Northwestern plays the way they know how, it it really shouldn't be too difficult for them to dispatch. I think there's just a talent disparity that Northwestern comes out on top of. Yeah, VCU as a team hitting two oh six on the season, so still in that range around 100 points lower than what Northwestern is doing. Uh, individually uh, for the Rams, Elisa Candler, 2.74 kills per set, pretty good. 201 percentage, not so good. But this is actually very interesting. I believe this is their middle blocker, Tory Baldwin. Uh, 2.25 kills per set on a very impressive 4.22 percentage. Um, she'll have some blocks to, to, to frustrate Northwestern. Baldwin averaging 1.55 blocks per set, which is uh, about a, a block percent lower than Gabby Hazen, but but still a very decent number. So we'll we'll see from those two, and then uh, setting wise for the Rams, uh, Deja Ard uh, two 258. Uh, she's only averaging six assists per set, which isn't great, but a lot you know she's going to be be storing the drink in the middle for the Rams. Yeah, the the middle block is is definitely the thing to look out for with this team. Um, the numbers just jump out of you. You just ran through them all. They're going to be tough defensively. This is going to be one where Northwestern is not going to be able to just roll through with Abbott only. You're going to need Robinson. You're going to need uh, Walker. You're going to need Hazen. But I think the diversity of attack that Northwestern has this year is enough to see them through. Great. I think that about sums it up for what's going to happen this weekend. Um, last last call, Ben. What's your predictions, the record-wise, for this weekend? 3-0. and I like it. I like it. I think for, for once, it, that's actually a very realistic prediction. We will see what happens next week. We'll be here to discuss it. Uh, let's wrap this podcast up with a bit of Big Ten chat. Um, Big Ten, eight teams in the latest coaches poll. Minnesota, number one. Penn State, number two. Wisconsin, number five. Nebraska, number ten. And then Purdue, Michigan, Michigan State, and Ohio State all rounding out as well. What do you? What have you seen uh, the last few weeks from the Big Ten? You mentioned you had you had a bit to say about them, Ben. Yeah, I mean, I just think that the conference is so strong every year. Minnesota lost several key players from last year's team, and it doesn't matter. They reload. That's what good college programs in every sport do. They're eight zero. Penn State's seven and zero. The top of this conference, Wisconsin, also seven zero. The top of the conference is just insanely strong, and the depth is there too. I, I think optimistic, an optimistic view would be Northwestern maybe climbing to ninth place in the conference, so just outside of these eight teams. Um, it's going to be a tough road for them, though, 
Uh, I don't see Minnesota and Penn State losing to anybody in the country other than each other. So and, and Wisconsin. I would say those those three teams, I don't see a loss to anybody other than each other. So I think if we're going big picture, Northwestern has a chance to climb into the top ten, maybe into the top nine in the conference if they keep playing well, get to seven or eight wins, maybe even sniff some some votes in this poll. I would not be surprised if, if this again, this is the optimistic view. If things go right for the Cats, they'll get some. They'll receive votes for this poll. I mean, if you're anywhere near the top eight in the Big Ten, as we're seeing, you're going to be ranked or at least getting votes because I believe uh, it's just those eight teams. No one else in the Big Ten receiving votes in this particular poll. But Northwestern. That's has a that's correct. That's correct. Oh, Illinois here has 25 votes. They're not. They're not even, they're not even in the top 25, but they're also good. Nine teams receiving votes. So there you go. If Northwestern can crack the top ten or top nine, they'll yeah. receive votes and maybe even sneak their way onto this list at some point in the year. Again, on the flip side, the Big Ten is so good, they could just get crushed. It's really hard to know until you get into the course of Big Ten play. That's how it works in volleyball. Yeah, I think we thought the non-conference was going to tell us a lot about this team. And what it told us is that they're very good. But now it just raises the bigger question of how sustainable is that against the behemoths of the Big Ten? And I think when we know that they're certainly better than they have been the last few years, we're still waiting to see how they're going to fare up against the, the best competition. I would say through the first couple of years here of Shane Davis' tenure, they're trending the right direction, absolutely. I believe in the Shane Davis philosophy, whatever you want to call it. I think he's going to turn the program and, and take us to, to new heights. But I don't know if it's this year or if it's next year or if it's the year after that when they start to really make some waves in the Big Ten. Yeah, and looking forward ahead to this weekend, um, outside of Northwestern, uh, a lot of teams in action kind of wrapping up their non-conference play. The really interesting thing is Maryland facing three very good teams in a tournament they're hosting. They're welcoming USC, ranked number 18 in the country, Notre Dame receiving seven votes, and number seven Washington uh, to College Park. So very interesting there for Maryland to see if they can hold up with some of the better non-conference teams in the country. And then outside of that, um, there's really not too many good matchups. The Big Ten looks to, looks to be rolling, actually, in a lot of those. The Big Ten is going to roll in non-conference play most of the time. I mean, that's what happens when you're the best conference. But uh, I don't know. Maryland, like you said, I, I wouldn't be surprised to see them go one and two, but they're usually near the bottom of the conference anyway. Uh, good for them for having a tough non-conference schedule. I think that's smart to prepare them for... Uh, the rigor and just absurdity that is the Big Ten season. Yeah, some individual notes maybe to add about the Big Ten. Uh, Ali Bastianelli, Illinois' middle blocker, uh, second nationally, leading the Big Ten with hitting percentage, hitting 531. And Wisconsin's freshman, Dana Retke, is third in the country, hitting 526. Uh, she's, a, she's, a, she's a true first year, and it's really impressive that Wisconsin managed to just reload with the ridiculous uh, first-year middle blocker. Haley Washington, one of uh, Tim Hackett's favorite players, is fourth with a 505, and Maryland is sixth. Wisconsin also has another person at ninth nationally, Tiana Williams with 475. Gabby Hazen close to them, very close, hitting 464. Yeah, Hazen's having a great year. That's what you see in the Big Ten, though. These teams just reload and have more talent every year somehow. It's unbelievable, and I just want to point out something that I know Tim will appreciate. Pretty funny you mentioned one of Tim Hackett's favorite players, as if not every player that has crossed the page in front of him is his favorite player. That's true. He's he's very praiseworthy 
of almost all those uh, middle blockers on the list. Um, That's, and they deserve it. Yeah, they do. Some, some really, truly top-notch athletes in the Big Ten for volleyball. Um, a- any other notes from, from the Big Ten, uh, Ben, before we wrap up here? I don't have a ton right now. I mean, I think the podcast will get a lot spicier once Big Ten play starts and these top teams play against each other. And then we're going to figure out a lot about that hierarchy. Yeah, I absolutely. I mean, I would expect Minnesota, Penn State, Wisconsin to stay on top, but it's it's easy for, for Penn State to potentially come out and be better than Minnesota or Wisconsin the other way. It's, it's hard to know right now out of those teams who's really the best. Usually it's Minnesota. That's why they have got 40 first-place votes in the poll from a few days ago. But I'm really excited to see. You never know who's going to come out on top. Yeah, Penn State, the one notable thing this season is they beat the top-ranked team in the country when they were the top-ranked team, Stanford. That was early in September. That was really impressive. So at least Penn State uh, you know, has that on their track record that they're beating the other teams that are supposed to be very good in the country that aren't just the Big Ten. Exactly. I think I think it's going to be great to watch. You never know how it's going to shake out in Big Ten volleyball. It's like Big Ten softball. Those are two sports where the, the conference is just so strong and so deep, and anybody could really end up anywhere. Yeah, I think you're exactly right there, Ben. Next week we'll have you know a bit of a Big Ten preview for you, so get excited for that. That about wraps it up here for us on First Serve. We do have an interview about 10 minutes long coming with Shane Davis after this. But for myself and Ben Krieger here, thanks for listening to First Serve Northwestern Volleyball Podcast. We hope to see you again next week. Hi, I'm Amit Malik of WNR Sports here with Northwestern Women's Volleyball Coach uh, Shane Davis. Shane, how are you doing today? I'm doing well. I had a great practice. Uh, your team's doing very well, Coach. 8-1. Um, and one. Just really, really strong start to the season. You've won seven straight matches. Things are just clicking on all cylinders. What's going right right now for your team? Yeah, um, yeah, we've done a nice job from uh, day one with the players when they reported and, and working hard and getting better each day and, and not thinking too much of the, the entire season as a whole and just taking one day at a time and, and one match at a time and just uh, being really honed in and focused on that. And that's things been helping our progress a lot. And then looking back specifically at this past weekend, three wins against Milwaukee, Army, and DePaul. Mm-hmm. I thought it was a very good tournament. Let's let's start with actually that, that first Milwaukee game. You know, what went well for you guys? This, I mean, everything seems to be going well, but specifically, who, who did well in this match? Yeah, Milwaukee was a tough team. They were um, they're probably a little bit bigger than what we were, actually. Um, so they caused us some problems, but I thought... Taylor Tashima did a, an outstanding job for us um, running our offense, and we weren't passing that great, so she was putting into, uh, into a lot of tough situations that she was able to get our hitters into just some great spots. So uh, just from the start of the tournament, I thought she did a great job balancing our offense and getting our hitters the ball at the right time. And then looking at, you know, Army and DePaul, the Paul game actually, first set was a little difficult. You guys had to climb out of a hole. What allowed you guys to do that and start off on the right foot? Yeah, the DePaul match, being a home crowd, um, they did a nice job just getting us on our heels a little bit with their serving game and servicing some tough spots and, and blocking well, uh, as well. So um, they kind of put us in a little hole. I think it was 14-8. We were running out of both timeouts at that time, and 
called a timeout and just said, hey, let's, we can chip away at this team. We've seen this team crack a little bit. Let's just have a little bit of a discipline and, and take one, one ball at a time. And we were able to chip away and put ourselves in a position at the end of that set to win and put ourselves in a good spot at the end of the match. And, and you guys won the tournament. Taylor had a very good tournament. Mm -hmm. She's actually having career highs in assists per set. I think it's near 12. Mm -hmm. And she obviously is a very accomplished setter even before you came here. You know, what's unlocked her potential this year to set some career numbers? Yeah, I think she's. we're surrounding her with some, some great players. Uh, we've worked really hard on our serve receive, which puts herself in a good spot. We've added some uh, attackers to the roster, which gives her more options. Um, you know, Simone Abba doesn't have to be the lead killer, so that means we're able to get um, some other players some, some, some sets, and with uh, Nia Robinson, Alana Walker, um, come to mind in terms of putting up some pretty good numbers over the last weekend. So I think giving herself some options where she can be a setter, run the offense the way she wants to, um, has been a great benefit to her. And then talking about Alana Walker, she also had a very noteworthy tournament. I believe she was on, she was named to the tournament team. What, what's been clicking for her so far and, you know, how she broke out a bit early on here in her, her first year? Yeah, um, she's a great competitor. She works extremely hard. Um, flip side, she's really tough on herself. She has high expectations uh, for herself as well. So she just keeps getting better each each play, each side, each match, uh, each tournament. And, uh, you know, she did a nice job just playing a complete game uh, from the UWM match all the way to DePaul. She was good, whether it was her blocking or whether it was her attacking. And, and it was just nice to see just that complete tournament from her. And she's just, the consistency was great to see. Bigger picture, going back to the first one of these that we did, you said that you want your team to build some more consistency, young team, not to get too high or too low. It seems like things have worked so far. You know, what's been the mental approach to keep your team performing at a high level and not get, you know, too swayed in one direction, especially with the, all the wins right now? Yeah, we've been talking a lot about our composure and our demeanor, um, whether it's in our warm-ups or um, our matches and sets and and just being conscious of not getting too excited during plays or being too complacent in plays as well. And so we've been working really about on how we carry ourselves and our composure throughout the match. And if anything, we, we go up in excitement and we don't have those kind of lulls. And uh, a little bit of that first weekend, we had those lulls, those back and forth, those leads. We'd give up leads. We'd have to fight from behind. And, and really, just this past weekend, it was only one time that actually happened throughout the whole tournament. So we're moving in the right direction with that. And then something I haven't asked you about too often, the defense. It, it's been good so far. You mentioned some names last week. Let's see, Pitsis has really mm -hmm. stood up. Sarah Johnson, you know, leading the way. What has the defense been able to do? You know, they haven't really been grabbing all the headlines because with mm -hmm. all the offensive stats, but how have they contributed to all these this success? Yeah, they, um, you know, one thing that's really not too much on a stat sheet is, you know, when Taylor uh, digs a ball, which she's been doing a pretty good job with her defense, you know, those we call them the littles, but the DSs and the liberals are responsible for that second contact. And they've been doing a great job of putting our hitters in situations, tough situations, off of that second contact. And, you know, they're not known for their setting or their second contact, but they've kind of stepped up their game and putting ourselves in, in a position to be successful with that. And they've been working really hard at that and putting themselves in a better spot, too, to dig balls and give ourselves some extra opportunities. And then big picture again, your team is 8-1. I know it's not your job to think about this, but the NCAA tournament is something that if you can get over 500 with the way the Big Ten is stacked, you have a real chance. Is that something you're thinking about? What is your mentality towards that, especially 
do you have like a set number of wins you want to get to before Big Ten play starts? How, how do you approach that as a coach? Yeah, I mean, it's you know down the road, but it's obviously something that you think about. I'm sure a lot of people are thinking about. Um, but again, we've got to be one practice and one match at a time. But you need to be 500 to be eligible for the tournament. And right now, what we're doing, we're putting ourselves in a position to do that. Uh, we have a long road ahead of us. We have a tough road ahead of us. We've got to do well this upcoming tournament and then uh, be able to battle when Big Ten comes and, and steal some wins along the way. And looking ahead just a bit to Big Ten play, how do you feel your team is in regards to how prepared they are for the Big Ten season to start? It, you still have one more tournament between them. Yeah, and I think, you know, I think our, our veteran group understands what the Big Ten is and how tough it is. Um, I think the the freshmen uh, are are still a little bit nervous because they don't know what it is. They've seen it on TV. They kind of understand it's the best conference in the in the, league, in the in the country. But what does that mean? And so um, we can, you know, it's tough to have them prepared until we get into it and see what it is. And so we try to relate to a little bit. It's kind of a combination of maybe this team you played, but added this player from that other team. And and so that's we're trying to do our best as far as picture that uh, for them as best what we can. But they won't know until we get into it. And then looking ahead to this weekend, you guys are out in Richmond, Virginia, Seton Hall, Bowling Green, and VCU. What are you expecting from, from this tournament, and how do you how do you plan with these teams in mind to keep your, your role going? Yeah, uh, our first match, Seton Hall, is a tough one. Uh, they've got some, had some big wins this year over Cincinnati, Oklahoma. Um, so they're, they're our first test, our first battle. We've got to be able to be on our game and... Um, can't have any lapses or anything like that, so it's gonna be a tough test right over the weekend. And we get a Bowling Green team who's a little bit up and down this year, uh, but still good. And then we get the home team BCU of the last uh, marquee match uh, of the tournament, and they're super fast. Uh, so we've got to be able to rebound um, with our defense or offense uh, and pretty quick. But you know, we on on paper we should be the maybe better team, but we've got to be able to do our job and play. We just can't go through the motions and, and get by. So we've got to get a couple of kids healthy for this week and be ready to go for this weekend. Last week I asked you who you wanted to stand out. Uh, it was Simone and Rushy had a good weekend. You know, who are you looking forward to, one or two players to to, to either up their level of play or keep where, where they are? Yeah, I think two, two players. Uh, Nia Robinson was kind of, she had some up and down moments this past weekend. She's had a great week of practice, so looking for her to, to bring that complete tournament again that she did at Duke in South Florida. And then Ivy Whalen, um, seeing what she can do a little bit more in the middle. And we're, we're working this week on finding some different positions or places that she can be successful. So hopefully she has a little bit of a breakout. Lastly, um, you're playing Bowling Green, same time Northwestern meant football team is playing Bowling Green. You have Fitz talked about that at all. Have any plans to lay down a double smackdown? What, what's that like? Yeah, we, we haven't talked about it or anything, but hopefully it's in the plan for, for both of us to, to take care of business. Great. Well, hope you do so, Coach. Good luck this weekend. Thank you. Cool.